0: Support for the show comes from Atlassian. Having trouble getting things done at work? You're not alone. Maybe in order to unlock amazing outcomes, it's time to stop looking up and down for answers and instead start looking across. What do we mean by that? The companies with the fastest speed to market tend to be the ones that look across the organization rather than up and down the hierarchy. Stay tuned to hear how Atlassian software like Confluence, Jira, and Loom can help maximize effective teamwork in your organization. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian.
1: Support for this show comes from Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync, so even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account, so ambitious companies have the precision control and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at Mercury.com. Hi, Pivot listeners. We've got something special today. Scott and I recorded this episode live at the DLD conference in Munich. Let's see how many wiener jokes Scott can make.
0: I have a dachshund. (laughs)
1: Enjoy. From New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network, I'm Kara Swisher.
0: And I'm Scott Galloway. Hello,
1: Scott. And and, 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 and this is (laughs) Pivot. Live from the DLD conference in Munich, which is Germany. Guten Abend. Um, I actually lived in Germany for almost a year. I lived in, in Berlin.
0: You were planning to be uh, a work for our security apparatus. You were learning German, right?
1: Yes, I was. Yes, I was learning German, um, and I was. I lived here. I had a I had a fellowship, and it was lovely. I had a great time right after the wall fell, um, and it was really. It was really. I lived in Kreuzberg, and and I still speak German badly. So anyway, we're going to do this in English if you don't mind. We're going to start off with topics and then some big stories. There's a lot of news everywhere. And we're going to talk a little bit about the EU and its uh, efforts to rein in big tech, which are ongoing. But there's all kinds of things we're talking about. But we almost didn't make it here. Well, I didn't because I don't fly private like some people I know. Um, The FAA briefly halted departing flights in the US yesterday due to an outage of a system that sends safety alerts to pilots. The White House and FAA says there's no evidence of a cyber attack. It sounds like a very antiquated system failed. I can't believe it. We already had tons of uh, flight delays this past summer, staffing issues. Southwest Airlines had a historic holiday meltdown. People in the U.S. were thrown off flights because of weather issues. And, and there's a bomb cyclone thing that's happening across the U.S. And now there's a river cyclone happening in California. Um, Maybe we should take Europe's approach and build trains. That might be great. Um, but what do you think about this? Because France is moving ahead with a plan to ban some sh- uh, short-haul flights between cities that are linked by train. How do you f- how, what do you think about this FAA situation?
0: Just first off, just I should disclose, I am profane and crude, <laughs> and what you hear is edited. So this is not edited. So I think train travel is amazing. huh Uh, I had my first oral sex on a train, Okay. and um, so I'll tell you, Kara, that'll be the last time I fall asleep with my mouth open on a train. (laughs) I warned you! I'm sorry. Go ahead. All right, more seriously, more seriously, what this reflects is very simple, and that is, in America, we have decided that we no longer want to invest in the middle class. And the most obvious productive means of investing in the middle class is investing in infrastructure. Middle class people need to take you know, municipal transportation. They need public schools. They, have, they don't have brittle water filters. And we in the U.S. have decided to optimize everything around the top 1%. So the easiest way to do that on a capex level that is indirect is to slowly but surely squelch public investment. Mm-hmm. Our airways, it takes longer to get from New York to Dallas now on a aircraft than it did in 1970. And it's mostly because of air traffic control delays mm-hmm. and our infrastructure is crumbling. Whereas at R&D, we spend more than any nation in the world because then smart entrepreneurs can come along and put a thick layer of innovation across GPS, across the US post system, across uh, DARPA and make billions of dollars. But when it comes to actual infrastructure, Europe and most, most modern democracies are just well ahead of America because America has decided that low taxes and a lack of investment in infrastructure is the optimal model but well, no
1: some of it some of it was first it was this antiquated system which is just shocking that there's always one point of failure and i think uh, secretary Buttigieg decided to close it down because they didn't know they didn't know if it was someone going to crash planes into each other they had no idea
0: yeah it was a system where pilots communicate about secondary issues that can, low right. probability, high severity, something on the runway. but Yeah,
1: exactly. And so the, the fact that they just had one system and they couldn't like, I mean, basic internet for teenagers is better than the FAA system From is the way it was explained to me. And so I think one of the problems is, is why you could see something with the staffing issues in the U.S. because the airlines laid people off. Um, I don't know if it happened here in Europe, but they laid a lot of people off and therefore staffing issues. Everywhere I go, staffing issues in the U.S. and and many places are really severe. They just don't have enough people, restaurants, uh, airlines and things like that. Sorry, um, and uh, and so what, what, and the other stuff is climate, which you can't really do anything about what's happening in California, right? I mean, you can in the long run, but there are these severe storms, mudslides, road outages, the same thing happened in the Midwest over Christmas, which was a peak travel time. It's, it's that we don't have resilient systems in the US and then the distances are so long, it makes it even worse. So this idea of, we have never had high speed trains anywhere in the United States, I believe, correct? We have Amtrak.
0: Yeah, we just don't, we, we don't make those sort of forward leaning, leaning investments.
1: So what would it take to do that?
0: Well, one, I mean, there is a reason along the Eastern Corridor and the California Corridor, you need a density, but what you need is a different mindset that says that we're gonna invest, make long-term investments that can't be financialized. I'll, I'll bridge this to OpenAI. OpenAI was initially funded with the notion by a group of people thinking, we need to fund this because we wanna make sure that AI has safeguards on it. These were visionary people that said, okay, we have to be careful that AI doesn't go very dark places. You, you
1: know who the biggest funder of that was
0: initially? A guy with a hair transplant who's a man child. Anyways.
1: Yes, that so, would be Elon Musk, just so you know.
0: Or, oh yeah, or him. Yeah. So, but you have, you have uh, all of a sudden, People smell money, and now we've come up with some weird weird structure that pretends it's for not for profit, but the first $90 billion are gonna go to Microsoft or employees or investors. So about the time it starts becoming a nonprofit, it will have had to have been one of the five most profitable companies in history. Yep. What extraordinary bullshit. We have the financialization, anything that shows potential, anything sniffs of a profit opportunity, we immediately snapped from the public sphere. I can't imagine the people who initially set this up thinking we want to make sure we have safeguards in it. Imagine that all of a sudden it would be the differentiating feature of Bing. Yeah. It just well, We will get to that in, in like, oh. a second.
1: But it's true. It's really a, a problematic situation and problematic for innovation and getting the economy back. Another moving on, Parler's parent company laid off the one that Kanye was supposed to buy, which we predicted he would not buy. And also... I mean, who would have thought he would have said something anti-Semitic all the time? I don't know. He had, it was such a shock to all of us in the United States. Um, It laid off most of his staff and executives in recent weeks. It's the right-wing Twitter clone. I've interviewed... uh, well, I it got its first CEO fired. The second one I've interviewed is married to Candace Owen. Um, last fall, Parler said it would sell to Kanye. As we said, the deal fell apart. Twitter also has its own issues right now. The reports that employees walked out of his Asia-Pacific headquarters in Singapore over the weekend for non-payment of rent. Um, it's discussed selling usernames in online auctions. I bought you at douchebag.com. I'm so Thank excited you. to give it to you for the holiday birthday. And and they're trying to come up with money, obviously. Uh, He's having still having problems there. Um, he has recently said he's back at Twitter after spending three days at Tesla, whose stock is off 70%. And apparently he's fixed everything in those three days. Really great work, Elon. Thank you. Um, so what do we think of this? What's going on with social media? still really problematic in terms of making money.
0: Yeah, but we knew this, right? Getter, yeah. Parler, Rumble, the ones that tried to say their positioning was that you'd be liberated around free speech. And the question is, well, what exactly can you not say on Twitter? Yeah. What are you gonna to get to do on these platforms that you can't do? Uh, so positioning them immediately as far right, just turned off advertisers. They never got any real traction, but you touched on a couple of things that Twitter, the second order effects, it's a fun spectacle, but the biggest impact, the biggest business strategy of 2023 isn't gonna be AI. It's not gonna be supply chain it's gonna be how to be tough without being an asshole. And what do I mean by that? The greatest erosion, the greatest fall, the greatest decline in revenues ever incurred by a private company over a billion dollars has happened in the last 90 days. 50, Twitter had a run rate of $5 billion on the day that Musk made his offer. 50 of the 100 biggest advertisers have taken their budgets to zero which means the other 50 are probably down somewhere between 20 and 70 percent. And if that's a proxy for the larger network, you're talking about a business that has gone from a revenue run rate of $5 billion to one to one and a half in 90 days. I challenge anybody to name a company that either, without some sort of exogenous shock, a natural disaster or a war, where that's happened in the last hundred years. In addition, That $45 billion that he's basically pissed away, this is already the second worst acquisition in history, assuming it's worth five or 10 billion. He's taken 40 billion into the street and immolated it. But in addition, he's gonna destroy seven to 10 times the value of Twitter because Twitter, the Twitter virus has escaped the lab and it's now affecting Tesla. Mm -hmm. And who is the average Tesla buyer? Is it a hard right Republican in Kansas who's on Medicare? Who buys Teslas? It's guys who like to think they're woke, who have a lot of money, who want to say to the world, I'm rich, but I hug trees, have sex with me. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that self-expressive benefit that is Tesla, they have the highest margins in the industry, and what has happened to the Tesla brand? Its net favorability in the last 90 days has gone down. And by the way, anyone been in the new Mercedes? I think it's called ESQ or the BMW gorgeous. i7. That shit's for real. Yep. Yep. Competition yep. is coming for Tesla. It exactly. You know, the, the, the thing
1: wrong is, time. let me. It, it, Tesla's still way ahead. I was just visiting Lucid Motors, which is a beautiful car, by the way, another beautiful car. Yep. Um, I was actually almost killed by a German man who's designing it. He was driving me around the streets of Palo Alto in it, which was frightening. But it's a beautiful, powerful, luxurious car. I think Teslas feel like the inside of an egg when you're inside of them and you get rattled around. But they are, they are, all of them acknowledge Tesla's very far ahead from a technology, manufacturing, etc. They can't make enough cars for the ones that people want. But competition is coming. China, China demand is off. What you're saying about a Tesla now is like wearing a a MAGA hat in the United States for a lot of people, so they don't want to be in them. Um, a lot of the people who bought them, who are the who are not MAGA people, are, are buying them. And the trucks aren't coming anytime soon, and the cheap cars aren't coming anytime soon. As as you know, I have a Chevy Bolt, which I love, I love. my Chevy Bolt. Um, Twenty eight thousand dollars in the United States. I love it. It's it's great. Like there's no way I would have been a Tesla possibility if they had a lower car, but I never would buy it now and and never again. in my You know, my kids are the same way. They don't want to get in one. Um, We were going to rent over the holidays. We were in Palm Springs and there was a possibility of running a Tesla. And my sons go, not that douchebag. That's exactly what they said. And I'm like, okay, we'll get the GMC, whatever. And it was great. It was a hybrid car and it was great.
0: The, The almost near perfect analogy is Netflix. For eight years, because Hollywood couldn't get their act together and didn't want to attack a legacy business that was creating billions of dollars by putting a, a movie with a man in tights and a cape in the movie theaters for six weeks and then putting it onto cable and selling it, they didn't want to make the requisite investment in streaming. And Netflix really for eight to 10 years had absolutely no competition, absolutely none. And then all of a sudden competition came in, margins got compressed, we started running out of credit cards to buy subscriptions, and the stock went down 76%. Yep. Tesla really has had no competition for the last eight years. And I don't think they're way ahead. When I I was in, I I spent, and I'm biased, I dislike the man. I think he's a menace and terrible for, a terrible role model for young men. Besides that, I think there is, uh, competition coming. I think the new yeah. Mercedes. I Mostly
1: think the Mercedes and BMWs and they then fantastic. Japan's going to be coming. Anyway, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but Parler is dead uh, from what I can tell. Um, we're going to go through a couple ones quickly before you get to two big stories. We've got limited time here, though we're just going to keep talking because we feel like it. Um, Disney, Disney getting an attack from Nelson Peltz, who is a very famous and very uh, well-regarded uh, activist investor. Um, he's done that to P&G. He was, he's on the Unilever board. And Bob yeah. Iger declined to put him on the board of Disney. Bob Iger, of course, just came back to Disney. Um, he hip-checked the Bob 1, 2 out. He's yep. Bob 1. Um, what do you think of that, very briefly?
0: So Disney stock is at a five-year low. And Disney made the mistake that most old economy companies made, and that is they started showing profits consistently. And once investors get their lips around the crack cocaine of profits, if you take the pipe away, they become very irritable. Mm-hmm. Whereas their competitors, specifically Netflix and Amazon, uh, never got their investors really wet on the metric of um, profits. The metrics were always oh, subscriber growth, right? Or, or, or viewership. Yeah. And so Disney is in this atmosphere where they have to invest billions of dollars. Disney's business, if you look at it, is actually pretty strong. The parks yeah. are pretty strong. The Disney Plus on a subscriber level is off. But the only way they can go toe to toe with Netflix and Amazon and Apple is to make these extraordinary investments that really ding their profits and the stocks at a five-year low. A tactical mistake on Iger's part, I've served on a shit ton of boards. The best way to silence an activist, the CEO never wants to put an activist on the board because the CEO gets to decide their compensation, so they want to have people that like me a lot on the board. And so anyone who feels like maybe they don't like me, they try and get off the board, they have big egos, they circle the wagons. The smartest... Yeah, this is an
1: error by Iger. It's interesting because in an interview with me, he even said Disney's not quite big enough even. It's just almost too small to compete with the Apples and Amazons. He was talking about Warner. Um, And others, and so I think this was a misstep by him. I think it was a. I'm surprised. He's usually very. He's the cashmere prince.
0: The easiest way to silence an activist is put them on your board because they then they have to be they have to maintain confidentiality. But there's a there's a non-zero probability you could see Disney if its stock continues to go down Mm -hmm. to get split up and be put in play. Yeah, because that streaming network is amazing for anyone but Disney in terms of their existing capital and shareholder base. Their shareholder yeah. base is used to profit. It's
1: still such a strong company altogether. My daughter watches Frozen on Endless Loop, uh, my three-year-old. And recently I, um, I went to the store and there was frozen uh, string cheese. And it wasn't frozen, it was frozen string cheese. And it was all the characters on the sticks of string cheese. And I had to buy them because she screeched until I did. And then I texted Bob Iger, I go, go fuck yourself with this String cheese. That's enough. I've spent enough on. Anyway, he enjoyed that. I didn't realize he was wrangling with Nelson. He goes, I'm busy right now. And I'm like, with what? The string cheese is upsetting me. Anyway, um, let's move on. Uh, we're going to go to our big stories. Artificial intelligence. You just mentioned it. Microsoft is talking about integrating artificial intelligence into its office. Suites and products, reports say Microsoft's products such as PowerPoint, Outlook, and Word could incorporate technology from OpenAI, uh, the group behind ChatGPT. Microsoft already uh, uses OpenAI products in its co-pilot tool, which helps programmers write code. And last week we heard that ChatGPT potentially could come to the Bing search engine. That's a successful piece of shit. Uh, So now it could be revived. Bing, 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 bing. Steve Bomber started, uh, introduced Bing at one of our conferences, and he kept saying throughout the interview, Bing, Bing, it was super weird. Um, but what do you think? What's, who's getting the better deal? You seem to say Microsoft is doing well here. Why is OpenAI um, hugging Microsoft so so much?
0: Uh, I've been, mean, the whole thing, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. And I was watching uh, uh, Sri Ramaswamy at Neva uh, talk about this. Mm-hmm. It seems as if already uh, Sam Altman, who's a really smart guy, says that AI, by virtue of the technology, will likely become a commodity faster. And at the end of the day, you need the infrastructure and the computing power. Supposedly, it's about two cents per query of processing power, which is seven times what a Google search takes. So if you're going to have hundreds of millions of queries a day, that's real cost and investment. We're yep. going to lose about yep. $550 million. But if you think about... Uh, He's going vertical, and that is he wants to find somebody who has the processing powder, who has a huge cloud infrastructure and already has a front-end monetization tool. So it already struck me that the people who really understand this company are like, we're not going to have much differentiation for for very long. We need to vertically integrate forward with a Mm front-end business app and sit on top of unbelievable computing power. And I can't help but think... uh, The greatest concentration of IQ in history through the 60s, 70s and 80s was NASA because we got the best German scientists out of World War II, but the greatest concentration of IQ ever assembled right now in history is at Google. And I yep. wonder what Google yep. is going to do.
1: They've respond. been eating away at, at uh, Google Workspace is taking bites out of Microsoft. Microsoft's is still the dominant productivity suite, but there's others. Um, but they've been eating <laughs> at it. And Google has started to really rein in a lot of its crazy stuff. Uh, all his, you know, the moonshot stuff is staying on the moon. What
0: have you heard about chat, GPT? I'm still on my head. I, you here.
1: know, here's what's interesting about it is it's the first time when you think about cryptocurrency, I think it's, I still believe it's. Just sandbank and free aside, there's still an important tech, the blockchain stuff is important. We don't know where it's going with when the internet started, someone said to me, I don't get I don't get what it is. I don't get what I do. What is it? What is it? And I said, it's everything. And they're like, what? I go, everything. And they're like, what does that mean? I go, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to make, but it's everything. And you can sound start... like
0: an ad for Bitcoin.
1: I know, it's true. But it, it, Bitcoin isn't everything. It, you started to see the uses of it, whether it was wet when you got Yahoo, uses, uses, uses. And then it became, the efficacy became obvious very quickly, right? Whatever happened to roll out, you're like, oh, I like that. But you didn't know what it was going to be. And that's how I feel with ChatGPT. I don't know what it's going to be, but you're already starting to see either entertainment uses- writing press releases, there's all kinds of things it could replace. It's essentially what um, spreadsheets, digital spreadsheets did for accounting. You just plug the numbers in and it does it. This is going to do for text and then photos and stuff like that. And so I don't know what it's going to do, but it feels like it has efficacy and you can see it at sure. work. Even if it's stupid and it answers dumbly, that's at the beginning of this. They're like Someone once said it's, they're like dolphins now. And they're going to surpass human brain ship very soon. But they're, they're still dolphins, right? They're incredibly smart. And so I think it's, we don't know quite what's going to happen, but I do think it's, you, can see, you can see in your head where it could work. It mm-hmm. could start to begin to, it's not as fuzzy as crypto. Like, what am I going to use cryptocurrency for except for speculative and I don't feel like doing yeah, that.
0: But the, the thing we do know will happen is this is the year of AI in terms of fundraising. Just yeah. as everyone showed up in- All the money
1: the, from crypto will 98
0: and 99 saying, oh, we're not Williams-Sonoma, we're Williams-Sonoma.com. I can't imagine the number of name, new companies that are gonna be AI powered or AI yeah. this. Yeah. I don't know if the reality will catch up to the perception, but it's, it feels so exciting. It's gonna be a new gold rush in terms of capital.
1: Yeah, and you look at the mental health nonprofit used GPT to provide counseling for 4,000 people before pulling the plug, because they said simulated empathy feels weird, Um, you know, I guess. (laughs) You know, it'll be interesting to see if they could get it right. One of the issues, when I was at the MIT Media Lab once, they were using therapy for, um, robots for therapy, and they could never get the eyes right. The eyes were all, the answers were good, the eyes were off. CNET, the, 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 uh, the website, the news website's been publishing ai written articles since November. Um, and next month, an AI-powered chatbot will help a defendant in the U.S. fight a traffic ticket in court. I mean, things like that. Like, who would have thought of that? You know, we'll see. I think we're going to probably go through that bad actor cycle like we did with cryptocurrency. I think this is the story of this year mm-hmm. because I think these yeah. big companies... By the way, the most dominant people continue to be Apple, Facebook, Meta, um, Amazon. And Google and Microsoft, so it'll still be the big companies dominating. But it'll be interesting to see innovation.
0: Yeah, but if you talk about Amazon, Facebook, and Google, uh, take Microsoft out. We always talk about big tech as if they're all equivalent. It's really now Big Apple.
1: But they're Microsoft. headed into the headset. That's what they're going to introduce this year. This headset that costs. Oh my God! What
0: an enormous bag of shit that's going to be. Yeah, I love. I love the notion that people think or under the impression anyone will put anything on their face that doesn't make them more attractive to other people. And the first thing that happens when you put anything on your face from a tech company yeah. is it's a prophylactic and yeah. you'll never consume the yeah. child. Yeah. This, will be, this will be the Hermes watch. It'll get a ton of press. Much people will try them. You'll get one. And then it'll be in the yeah. drawer with your Fitbit and your Fuel Band.
1: Yeah, could be. I just found my Google Glass the other day. I feel like that was the single greatest line I ever wrote, although now today it's not
0: as... It seems a little... You're more hopeful, though, for the... I am,
1: I am, I am. When Google Glass came out, I, I, when Sergey they, he took it to the Victoria's Secret thing and they wore them. Do you remember that they were wearing them and walking down the aisle with
0: them? Diane von Furstenberg, wasn't it, DBF? She was
1: there, yeah, Should DBF was head. there. And, and they, <laughs> they, they called me and they said, what do you think? I said, you've rendered supermodels unfuckable. Nice. Um, which I think you can't say now. Uh, I believe it's cancelable at this point, but oh well, I just said it. Um, so there you have it. And so I, we'll see where it goes. I do think that actually we'll have applications, and I am very eager to see what Apple does, because you know we didn't think those Air, when, when those airpods came out, even though you go on and on, everyone made fun of them. Yeah. Great product, the airPod. I, I think they will make something worth looking at, and we'll see where it goes from there.: We'll be right back with more from the DLD conference.
2: Creative. This is advertiser content from Atlassian. The universal truth with our customers is they're all struggling to get stuff done. Our goal is how do we help them unleash the potential of their people, their teams and their technology to actually get the right things done at the right time with the right people the right way. And when we do that, magical things truly happen. Don Price is Atlassian's work futurist. It's his job to help Atlassian customers imagine more effective ways to work. It is completely natural to focus on what you can control in your team. The problem is if if that's all you do, you get pretty myopic. The best teams I'm working with, they really work on who are the people upstream and downstream that we need to work with. How do we get flow across the organisation? How do we get value into the hands of our customers quickly? And sometimes achieving flow means that instead of asking who do I work for, it's asking who do I work with? When you get team connection right, everyone benefits, the employee, the employer and the customer, right? To get stuff done, the best organisations and teams right now are focusing on modern work. They're dreaming about the future, but they're dreaming about it by planting the seed to get the right things done right now. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom enable teams to work effectively together to accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Learn more at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L ASSIAN dot com This episode is brought to you by Shopify.
1: Let's have another big story. Uh, we're going to talk about the EU. This is not your area of expertise necessarily, but I'm definitely paying attention to regulation. The US and the EU are racing to regulate tech giants. This month, European regulators fined Meta more than 400 million dollars. That's 390 million euros over privacy violations. Meta says it will appeal. Meanwhile, President Biden um, is calling on Republicans and Democrats to unite against what he called big tech abuses and ask for legislation on privacy, competition, child safety, of course, all that legislation was in the U.S. Congress, and none of it passed last year. And now, with the the current uh, the current, uh, Democrat the Democrat uh, Republican split, nothing is going to pass in the House. Um, except for whatever Marjorie Taylor Greene, I'm sure we'll do something against Jewish space lasers this year and take care of that problem. But uh, otherwise there's nothing going to happen. The US is in the lead when it comes to Microsoft's pro's taker of Activision Blizzard. It, the FTC is suing to block the deal. EU regulators aren't quite there yet, but that could be a real problem for that deal. Many think it's not going to go through. Um, last month they sent a questionnaire to game developers. Um, so. FTC is on the case, but it's, it doesn't look like a great, there's a lot of competition in games, by the way. Um, and then there's TikTok. The President Biden signed a bill banning TikTok on government devices at the end of last year. Meanwhile, TikTok's CEO is on a goodwill tour of the EU addressing reports. The company is tracking US journalists. They actually have done that. Should the EU do more to regulate TikTok? The US, You know, they've just created a new China, China subcommittee in the House.
0: So, so let, you're saying a lot, let's, let's back up to so the yeah. EU regulation, right? Yep. The regulation that the EU has passed is exponentially, has more teeth, more yes. mating, and is more elegant than anything that has happened in the US. That is correct. And you're, from what I understand, what I've read of your regulation, you're demanding interoperability, and you're basically saying you're having this really crazy notion that hate speech that is illegal offline is illegal online. It sounds pretty obvious, but no one's done it until the EU just now. And this is a big deal. And it's also getting around this one problem we faced. And that is Facebook decided 10 years ago that the smartest thing we could do for shareholders was break the law. Oh, we're depressing teens and we know it, lie. And if they find out we're lying and they fine us, okay. Oh, our data is being used to weaponize elections. We could get fined. No problem, we are such a cash volcano that any fine they come up with will not be worth complying with the law. And part of this regulation in the EU says a percentage of their global revenues. So that shit gets real fast. When you start talking about a fine that could be five or 7% of global revenues, all of a sudden they go, okay, the world just changed for us. We need to start doing these things. And it makes sense that you would have more abiding regulation, why? A third of my class of my students at NYU will go to Amazon. 10 of them will go to Google. We have huge ups. We're net gainers in the US from big tech. As much as we rail on them, they create ecosystems, a ton of shareholder value, uh, incredible employment, great highly paid jobs. You get all of the calories of big tech. You get the weaponization of election, the coarseness of your uh, discourse, the destruction of jobs, media companies, you get teen depra- You get all of it, but you get none of the great tastes. Yep. As far as I know, there aren't that many hospital wings or universities in Munich named after Google or Facebook billionaires. So you get all of the downside and a fraction of the upside, which stiffens the backbone of EU regulators. Yep. And you're gonna see the EU lead in regulation. Yep. Because in the US, we have a system, an election system where all you need is to give money to our elected representatives and you make them a compelling offer. I'm gonna give you a lot of money, the fastest expense growing expense line for big tech is lobbying in Washington. There are more full-time lobbyists working for Amazon and living in DC, there are sitting US senators. And the value proposition is this, I'm gonna give you a shit ton of money. Okay, what do you want from me? I want nothing. I want you to make sure.
1: And we saw happens. that happening with Senator Klobuchar, who promised these antitrust bill would pass, the privacy bill would pass. None of them did, and they targeted her as someone who's ruining the internet. And you know, it's interesting because the Republicans are sort of anti-tech, in more focused on China than anything else, but. Very anti-tech comparatively, and so is the Biden administration. And yet, nothing happens. They just there's a lot of noise and not a lot of action. Um, Kevin McCarthy, though, is quite tight with the tech titans. He's been visiting them and getting money from them. And so the whole thing is it's just nothing happens. No legislation happens, and no, no privacy legislation happens. And I think it'll be up to the EU to take care of this. Honestly, I think that's that's the only thing. And the EU wants to wants to is now pushing tech companies around telcos and things like that. Um, and of course. Uh, Meta vaguely threatened to leave Europe last year over regulation on moving data out of the EU, really kind of ridiculous. Um, In any case, keep going, EU, because... We
0: just talk about TikTok, because I know there's a lot of regulators here and a lot of people who have influence. Yep. Um, uh, I love TikTok. I think it's amazing. I'm a huge consumer of it. I think it's just incredible. Uh, I think it's one of the largest threats to democracy we've had in the last 50 years. And if you believe like me, there is no separation between the CCP and a Chinese company where they can disappear for a CEO for four weeks. Imagine if Jeff Bezos just disappeared for four weeks and then showed up in Tokyo and said, I've taken up painting, yeah. right? That's what they've done. Yep. So if you like me believe there is no separation between the CCP and Chinese companies, if you believe that China has a priority or a strategic imperative to make the West, Europe, and the US less powerful, and you recognize that all of our children, all the young adults, younger than 28, spend more time on TikTok than every other streaming media wow. company combined?
1: Hours, they, hours a
0: day. Wouldn't they be stupid? Wouldn't they be ignorant to not put their thumbs on the scales of anti-Western content? Income inequality, systemic racism, democracy doesn't work. That's what I would do. This is a. TikTok either needs to be spun to Western assets in those domains, or it should be banned full stop. And we keep talking about espionage. It's not an espionage tool. That's what Facebook is for. It's the ultimate propaganda tool. We are going to raise a generation of civic, military, government, and business leaders that feel a little shittier about Germany, London, France, and U.S., because the CCP is going to put their sum on anti-Western content. It should be banned.
1: The government... The government had moved to take it off of all government phones. The use of it on government phones and use by government officials. The second thing is, in, in across the U.S., there's lawsuits right now of using it in schools. Or, or Seattle is, has a lawsuit. We'll talk about that more in London. But it's really there's there's growing. Controversy around the uses of it, and that it leaves even out the addictive nature of it, which I think is the problem. Is it's a great product, and it's a, it's an addictive Amazing. product. You can't stop looking at it. Um, so they've perfected that in the ways other companies haven't. Um, in any case, let's finish with predictions, Then we have time for a few questions. Um, predictions? Go ahead. Go for it.
0: So I have two predictions. Uh, I tried to do some research on uh, EU-based tech companies. Uh, Germany's fallen behind. Uh, there's just no getting around it. The rise of China hasn't hurt US, it's hurt Europe. All the, big com- the biggest companies in the world, it used to be US and then Europe, now it's US and China. We still have as many unicorns. It's really come, China's rise is really coming at the expense of the EU. And Germany, despite having a much larger economy, has half the market capitalization of its tech companies of the UK. I don't know why, but clearly there's something not working in terms of you look at how outstanding the culture and the education and the work ethic in Germany relative to your tech output. It's just not working. But I did find one company, and this is my prediction, the biggest tech IPO in the EU, it probably won't be in 23, it'll be in 24, is a German company. Does anyone want to guess? And I, I might not be right, but this is my prediction. The biggest tech IPO in the EU will be a German company. Salonis. Uh, 400 million in revenue last year, growing 50% this year, 90% logo renewal, which is no churn, 140% dollar renewal, meaning everybody that renews is spending 50% more, business performance software. This company, every metric, you know, I spent a lot of time thinking about software and investing. I've never seen anything like this in a private company. So I think this is gonna be, I hope this inspires a lot of um, follow on investments. A lot of ECs pop in Germany. Although
1: up. difficult because look, they were just showing um, Stripe and Instacart are way off. They were supposed to go public. All these tech stocks are down. It's gonna be hard.
0: Oh look, the markets are cyclical. The wind is not the wind is in our face now in the world of tech, but when the wind comes back, the 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 great companies are still there. This is a company. That every, every metric I've seen is just, is just killing it. It's just doing really well. Do you yeah. have a prediction? I have one more.
1: Sam Bankman-Fried is, is guilty.
0: He's is guilty. Go ahead. Will yeah. Will he be found guilty? Yes. Yeah, I think you're right.
1: Yeah, his, his, his uh, unmade bed, three-year-old toddler boy act is getting very exhausting. Yeah. He's a 30-year-old man who stole money from people. Oh, by the way, Sam Bankman-Fried said he's not guilty.
0: Well then. So my other prediction is that in 50 years when we look back on the West, uh, supposedly at the end of your life, the thing you regret the most is that you were so hard on yourself. You wish you'd been more forgiving of yourself. And I think we're going to wish we'd been more forgiving of ourselves and acknowledge the best trade in 2023 will be the capital, the weapons, the intelligence we are supplying to Ukraine. For just 6% of the military's budget, we are kicking a murderous autocrat in the nuts over and over and over. We have removed 50% of the kinetic power of Russia. We have basically run the world's longest advertisement that Europe and the US, when they join hands and actually agree on shit, we are an insurmountable force. This is, we are gonna look back. We are going to look back, and I think, and maybe hopefully sooner and say, why didn't we celebrate each other and celebrate Europe as a union again? NATO is out of a brain coma, right? We are no one, no one. And That's by the it. way, no boots on the ground from Germany and the US. That's kind of a free gift with purchase, right? We are going to look back and think this was, this was one of the greatest accomplishments of the West of the last Can century. Can I just
1: say, though, you're, I just interviewed your friend, Ian Bremer and his top yep. risk is Russia yeah. turning into a rogue state.
0: Going nuclear. They're, yeah. they're like Iran I had on too. yesterday, yeah. I agree.
1: Yeah. He's so, wrong. That's the danger. Anyway, that's Perfect. a good prediction. Um, so we're going to get some questions uh, from the audience. Um, oh, my other prediction is George Santos is lying about quitting. That's our hope that... He said he's not quitting, but he's lying about that.
0: Things are so much better in Germany it when is. George Santos was chancellor.
1: Oh, he'd be so—he was chancellor. No I one knows if George you know Santos that. is. No, he was, he was. He's a congressman who literally every time he says something, it's a— he, now, The latest one is he's a volleyball champion. Like, how—honest. I mean, I have to give it to him. He's an excellent liar. He, like, Anyways, they don't know
0: like who he is. Stuff. The congressman yeah. just lied about everything he got. Yeah.
1: We'll be right back with more Pivot in Germany.
0: Support for Pivot comes from Hidden Layer. It seems like everywhere you look, industries are turning to generative AI. We talk about it a lot on this show. Businesses can generate more ideas, answers, connections, solutions, and momentum. But at the same time, security teams are forced to slow down that progress so they can make sure AI adoption is safe and responsible. Hidden Layer's AI detection and response platform secures generative AI and large language models from malicious attacks, leaking of confidential information, and intellectual property theft. Hidden Layer helps you generate more by enabling seamless, secure generative AI. Here's how it works. AI detection and response protects businesses from potential attacks by monitoring and analyzing the inputs and outputs of their generative AI applications, blocking harmful transactions and alerting security teams in real time, allowing organizations to accelerate their AI adoption with speed. Customers in finance, technology, healthcare, and even the U.S. Department of Defense trust Hidden Layer to protect their AI today. Plus... Hidden Layer was named Most Innovative Startup at RSA, the most significant cybersecurity conference in the nation. With Hidden Layer, go from pause to possibilities. Generate more with Hidden Layer. Visit hiddenlayer.com pivot to learn more about Hidden Layer's AI detection and response solution. Uh,
1: questions from the audience. Let's go. Oh, and by the way, um, I'll say there's a fan named Andreas couldn't make it tonight because he has a daughter in the hospital, get well. We want to say that to him, his daughter. All right, questions, let's go.
0: Hi, I'm Ava Rappaport from Munich. Yeah. Um, I run an intercultural uh, country role, uh, youngster network, and I would like to understand why the world is not supporting Iran people in their fight for
1: their freedom. That is an excellent question, the way, you know, there's a lot of attention. Um, it, it's something we've talked a lot on our various shows about, and I have to say, I think the U.S. press is actually doing a, a pretty good job covering it, and especially the executions and the, the sentencings. Just recently, I've noticed there's an uptake in media coverage of this, but, you know, there's, because we'd rather look at some ridiculous circus in the House um, over voting and whether Matt Gates is smiling or not, and... That kind of thing, and so what's happened with at least the Republican Party uh, in the U.S. This is just from a U.S. perspective, is that they don't have the the focus is on so many other things, including the political chaos in the U.S. That they're not focusing in on what's happening in Iran, and so there's not a, and then there's Ukraine, um, and then there's the weather stuff and the energy crisis and everything else, and so there's risk after risk, and it gets pushed further down the list. That's my impression. I have noticed an uptake. Uh, especially as they become more and more um, murderous. Um, is, that's all you could say. They're murderous rogue thugs. They're getting more attention for it. I'm not sure there's much we can do about it, especially since they're aligned with uh, Russia now in such a significant way. But Scott?
0: I, I, don't, think, I, don't, I don't think the world is missed that you see ro- news about Russia and you see men fleeing and then you look around and you see women taking huge risks and um, you know, trying to inspire uh I don't know, to inspire a revolution, inspire a better world. I went to UCLA. I lived with my two roommates from were Iranian. I've always, I've never understood why the U.S. and Iran aren't great allies. Just the Iranians I knew in L.A. felt more American than Americans. I mean, we just, I felt like this was such a culture that felt so similar to me uh, as America. But, and I, we don't have time, or it's dangerous, but I guess the question, I feel like your question was pregnant with a comment, and that is, what, we sh- what should we be doing? Because my sense is we put in pretty harsh restrictions and sanctions against Iran. Um, I mean, should, we be, should our security apparatus be more aggressive? Would you want to see us take military intervention? I guess the question is, what, what, do we do? what should we be doing that we're not?
1: Yeah, yeah. It should be a more unified approach, would be guess. All right, another question. We have time for two more.
2: Hi, Clyde Hutchison, um, long-time listener, first-time caller. Um <laughs> Just say Elon Musk disappeared today. Okay. What would you, uh, yourself and Scott do with all your spare time? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, we ha- didn't really talk about him that much today. Just He happens to be an open AI investor, that's all. Um, he's been, he hasn't been quiet. He's said a number of, I think people are getting tired of him actually. Um, even though I, I hate to tell you, people write us and say, stop talking about Elon. But when we do, the the numbers are crazy when it's like Trump, you know, stop talking about Trump, but then everybody wants to read about him. And that's an unfortunate thing. Um, I think the problem is he is really, um, in many ways, a visionary and like Tesla and the rockets and even Starlink, no matter what you think. The geofencing he's doing, which I think is appalling. There's so many astonishing things. And then this jerk shows up on the other half. So I think it's difficult. And I think his story is a lot bigger than you think because he's involved in um, foreign policy. You know, he's involved in space travel and national security. Um, it's more than just him being a jerk on Twitter, it's a, it is a bigger story. So I, I don't think he's going to disappear. I think, though, there is a good, there's an interesting chance if he becomes, the question is, is he like a Thomas Edison or is he Howard Hughes? Right? I think that's real. And you know how that ended. Um, Charles Lindbergh. Charles Lindbergh. You know, you don't know what's going to happen to him. The the U.S. has been littered with visionaries like this. But, But I got
0: the sense from your question, you feel like we talk about Elon too much. Is that accurate? If I read into the second layer of your question. You're worried about us? us? We're fine with that. I invite that. I need more people. Yeah, we'd
1: like more characters. We were thrilled with ChatGPT. Let, me, like, let me just comment.
0: The, the, on the ground, the biggest impact on business, I think in tech is, another, is, gonna be, is inspired by an action of Elon Musk. And that is yeah. you have to acknowledge and every CEO in tech can, has noticed that Twitter, as much as I was hoping the site would crash, is working. And it's a minimum viable product right now or an acceptable product with 75% fewer employees. So you got to imagine in every boardroom. They love them. They're going, okay, what if we took our employees down 20 or 30% and managed to hold on to all the revenues? And this is a prediction I have for 2023. I do a predictions tag. You're going to see revenue growth decline in big tech and they're going to have the most profitable quarters in history because they're looking at Twitter and go, if he can do this with... 75% Seventy-five percent less people. Can't we do what we're doing with twenty yeah. percent less?
1: And we don't have to tweet terrible things. You know, I mean I think he's they love him. Trust me, those tech CEOs love what he's doing. They don't want to do it themselves necessarily, but they will do the actions, not the not the crazies the crazy stuff. His all his. All right, two more quick questions. Right there, this woman right here. Hi, huge fan of the show, Giselle. Hi, Giselle. Um, So I'm an executive coach, and my clients are all dealing with questions very often of mental health. Mm -hmm. Scott, you've spoken a lot about it. You're a huge advocate. As we think beyond now, how do we take mental health into consideration for the decisions that we're making and the people that we're affecting? That's a great question. It's an important one. Scott and I were just talking about it before. My son is doing his college things and he's just too wound up and they just had a mental health day at school. And he's always like, why are, why are they having mental health days and not incorporating it into the entire scheme instead of talking about it, which was interesting because anyway, go ahead.
0: Yeah, I think a lot about this. I struggle with it. Um, and I think we've one of the wonderful things about What's happened in the West over the last, just as cancer was destigmatized, I think mental health is in the process of being destigmatized, and people are open and can talk about it. However, I would argue it still hasn't been destigmatized for, for men. I think one way to take your career path off of kind of being a CEO as a male is to talk openly about your struggles with mental health. I don't think that's a good resume builder. So I still think there's work to do from a public perception standpoint. But I also believe that uh, social media, and there's evidence, my colleague at NYU, Jonathan Hyde, has shown that about the time social media went on mobile, you saw a dramatic uptick specifically with young girls and hospital admissions and self-harm and self-cutting. And what's the point of any of this bullshit if our kids aren't mentally well? So I think we have to hold social media accountable, and I think we all need to just be I can't tell you whenever I talk about the mental health struggles I've had, how many men reach out to me. And I'm talking about men who just never talk about it before. Yeah, you could have a
1: men's movement. You could be like Jordan Peterson. Thanks for that. Yeah. Thanks for that. Just thinking about it out loud,
0: sorry. Got it. And so it just, it's very basic. When I'm talking about mental health, I try to do this and it's tough for me because in general, I don't like people. I'm trying to be open to new friendships. I'm trying to reach out and say, hey, what's going on? I'm yeah. trying to be nice. Do you want to grab coffee? I think especially men, I think yeah. we need to do a better job of like being open to new relationships. I
1: was just gonna make a friend for Scott in Thank London. You. I'm making him go to dinner to meet
0: someone. He set up a play date for me. Yeah. Right, I'm calling and saying, the final with Toby at?
1: Um, Selena Milanovic, a biomedical engineer working at Siemens. And my question is about digital health. Mm-hmm. Uh, we made a few comments earlier about the importance of very strict and very smart ways of regulating um, the topics relating digital and AI. However, when it comes to healthcare, this might be really a showstopper for Europe. So countries, for example, like um, the US or other um, countries in Asia might actually develop a lot quicker than we can in Europe because they have a little more flexibility and leeway. So should we have a double standard in creating, um, let's say, Regulation um, For companies that are using artificial intelligence for entertainment versus companies that are let's say are using AI for health yes, I do, and I think you're wrong. I think the u s is quite strict on digital health issues. They may be uh, porous that's different that's about systems, but it's quite strict you know that's the one area that's why it hasn't developed as quickly. Um, we have to be thinking hard about the privacy issues around health I mean really. I mean, Amazon knows more about your mental health than you realize, given what you buy and things like that. But I think, it's, um, I think definitely stuff around entertainment should be different than it should be around mental health. That said, all of it is data for the system, right? Anything you do, you'll be tracked the rest of your lives. And so it all goes into health, whatever you eat, whatever you buy, whatever you go whatever you do and so we can't think of it not as an ecosystem because it's all part of the same things but regulators should be very smart about healthcare, travel evs they have to get smarter and it will involve a lot more regulation
0: last word i do think you want to err on the side i hate to say this but section 230 and a lack of regulation in the 90s was probably the right call for tech And it resulted in some externalities, but we failed to then implement regulation to get it in control. And I was fascinated with the fact that the EU has fallen, I mean, your biggest market cap tech company is that chip company in the Netherlands, the biggest one here is SAP, and they're like 15% of the valuation of big tech. And I'm like, what? It doesn't make any sense. You got an educated populace. you're digitally very savvy, it just doesn't make any sense. And one of the things that kept coming up is that uh, a lot of regulation that tries to envision and put in place safeguards.
1: Before so, things happen.
0: And so it's a balance, but the, there's no doubt about it, the outcomes appear to favor a lack of regulation and being a little bit more promiscuous in terms of what your innovators can do.
1: Yep. Anyway, thank you so much. Sorry we went over time. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Nina. Just a quick programming note. Our next episode of Pivot will tape in London and will come out Wednesday the 18th instead of our usual Tuesday drop. But I promise it will be worth the wait.
0: That was Pivot, live at the DLD Conference in Munich. Today's show was produced by Lara Neyman, Evan Engel, and Taylor Griffin. Ernie Intratot engineered this episode. Thanks also to Drew Burrows and Neil Severio. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back later this week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. Support for the show comes from Atlassian. What do you think of when you hear the word flow? How about a smooth river of collaboration culminating in a shared ocean of positive outcomes across your organization? Atlassian software like Loom, Confluence, and Jira can help you achieve maximum flow across your teams by enabling fast and easy communication and connection no matter what time zone they're in because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. Learn how to unlock flow across your teams at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian.